Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. We aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. My name is Louisa, International Passion Ambassador, host of your show. And if you like this episode, please subscribe. My guest today is Zane Daniel. And if you haven't heard of him, Zane Daniel is an intuitively guided light worker. Zane is an energy healer who uses intention and sound harmonics to release the soul's essence and bring it to the surface. These techniques allow him to remove specific blocks to prosperity, self-esteem, personal relationships, and other areas of life to allow for unencumbered spiritual and emotional growth. I think we all need it, some of that. I do. Yes, please. This is his story, and this is his passion, Zane. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for having me. I am passionate to be here. I'm passionate that you're here as well, and thank you for being on the show. <laughs> I always like to start with the guests and I can't wait to dive into what you do. It sounds amazing. And yes, yes, I need that too. But how, I get these questions a lot. How did you come about to where you are today? And, you know, in the essence of time, this could be, you know, a very long conversation, but right. I guess, you know, the pivotal points in your life that led you to where you are today with your healing modality and your current state of mind and, the way that I'm talking to you here now. You're right. Okay. Yes, I could easily talk to you for a couple of hours about this, but I will sum it up. I was raised by scientists in the United States in Ohio, and I had you know a chemist as my grandfather he, who worked on the triggers for the H-bomb after World War II. Uh, I, and then my father is an electrical engineer and my uncle on the other side was electrical engineer. So I had it all around me. And so religion and spirituality was not a discussion uh, at all. It wasn't even thought of. Um, so, and it wasn't despised or anything. It just wasn't something that we discussed because we were all very science minded. So the idea of this sort of thing being my life is very far removed from what I thought was going to be possible when I was a kid. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to tie it into the passion thing right away too, because sure. as a child, I always followed my passions. And I think as children, we generally tend to do that more. I think about, you know, you say, I want to go swimming, mom, I want to go swimming. I want to go swimming. I'm going to, you know, that's what we do. Like we're, it feels we, good. we grasp onto that thing that we really want and then we make it happen. Right. And so I was doing that. I was making my own video games. I was creating my own aquariums. I was just doing whatever my passion led me to. And eventually it led me to creating video games for a living. So for 20 plus years, I was a, a producer in the video game industry. And wow. moved to Chicago to do that. Yep. So again, now surrounded by computer scientists. So still along that same kind of, you know, logical mindset and, and creation. And then it wasn't until uh, I believe it was around 2012, 2013. I don't know the exact date, but I, I had an ayahuasca experience and that completely changed everything. So That's I went on my bucket from, list. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to. Um, I, I think everybody should at least once. 
So I, I, you know, all the way up to the point that I took the, the plant medicine, I did not believe in anything other than science. And the moment the plant medicine experience began, I su suddenly was speaking to a voice uh, that had universal knowledge. And I just knew it immediately. I just knew that it was this incredible intelligence. And so I started asking it questions like, how should I live? which is not a question that I would ask anyone ever, <laughs> especially from my scientific background. And when it told me that I needed to love more, I was completely confused because of course I was saying, well, I love my family and I love my friends. I don't know what the big deal is. And it told me a bunch of other things, of course, during that session that took me a long time to figure out, you know, why, why it told me these things and what it had to do with anything. Uh, but what I did know is that even that, following day and then from then on i was continuously able to speak to that voice in my head as though i were still experiencing the ayahuasca now it wasn't as easy to get to mm -hmm. uh, but it was still available and for a couple of years i spoke to this and not even what realizing what i was doing i didn't i didn't research channeling because i didn't even know what it was i was just speaking to this voice and i just called it the voice and I ended up talking to some friends and close family and explained what was happening. And they didn't commit me. Uh, they decided <laughs> that they thought it was kind of interesting. And so they would you know, have me ask questions of the voice. And so I went, oh, okay, sure. And, and to, my, to their surprise, they were receiving answers that were from universal knowledge. And they you know, were like, holy cow, that's, that's amazing. Like, how, how did you know that? That's an amazing piece of advice or whatever. And so as that continued, I started to become more and more interested in this world and, and, the and voice. ended up studying the channels and, and Bashar was probably my first one that I discovered and, and so on. And so it just slowly ramped up over time to the point where I ended up uh, working with Ethan Fox, who does a lightworker training program and, and he kind of helped raise my vibration and and put me in touch with a whole bunch of other light workers, and we all started kind of experimenting on each other essentially. And during that process, of course, I discovered all of my gifts or many of my gifts and just went from there. Wow, that was an incredible condensed story. Yes. <laughs> First <Yeah>. of all, <laughs> so going back, did you play a lot of video games? Oh my gosh, yeah, I played them all the time. And, and like I said, not only did I play them, but I wanted to make my own. Creative. And so that grandfather, that uh, chemist grandfather, he, in, in the like, late 70s, early 80s, taught me how to program a computer, which you know nobody's grandpa in the 80s taught them how to mm -hmm. program a computer. And so, of course, the first thing that I did with that knowledge is I started making my own video games. Fantastic, because it can become very, very addictive, the video games. And I know we're di diverging here from the subject, but do you play video games now? No. After, <laughs> after 22 years of making them and having to play them for work, no, I do not play them anymore. It does not interest me. Yes. Oh, my gosh, this is so interesting. So you've called it it or the voice. Yeah. Uh, so... I guess for people that are listening, how does the voice communicate with you? Is it a hearing in your head or is it like someone talking to you? How, how's the communication? So it is, it, I, I called it the voice for a reason because when I first started uh, experiencing it, it was as though 
there was another, hmm, uh, something else in my mind was generating thoughts. Hmm. And so, and those thoughts came to me in the form of words and se complete sentences. And so when it, you know, it would say complete things uh, like you don't love enough. Um, uh, it told me that, you know, I had invested in real estate and the real estate at the time, because that was, you know, at the end of the bad prop, the problematic time for real estate and really the market in general. I remember asking, and I'm almost embarrassed that I asked the question of the universal knowledge man, <laughs> um, how's my real estate going to go, you know? And, uh, and it said, well, we don't want you to fail, uh, but we don't really want you to succeed either. And I was like, what the, you know, why? Like, what's the big deal? Like, I, I care about my tenants and I'm trying to make something good here and so on. And so it said one word when I asked why, and it was a word that I had never used and I had never used it for even anyone else. And I just didn't think of the capitalist society in this way. It simply said the word greed. And I was just like, what? you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> so it really took me some time to, to reconcile what was happening there. When I invested in the real estate, I was not following my passion. I had followed my passion that got me into video games. I had followed yeah. my passion that got me into um, other wonderful Avenues. projects that I did and met wonderful people. But when I did the real estate, I was just getting the money. So the, the voice was completely right. It was a greed-based action. And generally, long term, it never serves you if you're right. if you're not following what, what what you're passionate about. I always say, you know, following your passion, it's your emotional guidance system, really. Yes. Um, and then the universe will support you in that. And do you? I mean, channeling is very popular at the moment, and I know a lot of people are learning how to do it. And we all have that ability to channel when you are connecting with the voice. Do you have to be in, you know, do you have to meditate? Do you have to be in a calm space? Does it happen when you're at the supermarket? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's kind of funny because ultimately the, the, the light work that I provide people is not actually a channeling service. I provide activations and I help them with their emotional and mental and, and energetic issues and, and goals. However, um, the, the voice is available to me and will pop up whenever it wants to, as well as if I go into a slight meditative state. And so when I've, when I worked with people, I, I teach a, an online workshop. Um, and so I'm teaching people all kinds of things about handling human emotions, the terrestrial emotions and so on. Um, when I talk about this, I say it's, it's fairly simple because all you really want to do is tap into universal, universal knowledge, which you have. And to do that, for me at least, I close my eyes, I wait a few moments, take a nice big deep breath, and then I simply ask a question, whatever the question might be. It can be a very simple question, a yes, no question, whatever. And then I just wait for the answer. I don't try to answer it myself. I just wait because that thought voice is going to appear eventually. And if I if I find myself kind of drifting off and making other thoughts or whatever, then I just go, wait, 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 ask the question again, and then wait. And you're in a state of listening. And the state of listening is really amazing because that is essentially meditation. You are just in a state of waiting for something to happen, of, of being available, of being totally in the moment and waiting for the next moment, whatever that might be. Um, and so 
I've found that, you know, the listening process is a fascinating one. You can listen with all of your senses. It's not just the ears. You can go outside and listen with your eyes and see what you see. All of a sudden, you'll see an insect that you've never seen before. You'll see, uh, I was driving down the road and I, uh, the same road that I drove down every day going back and forth to work. And I was, I went into that mindset. I went, oh, wait, I want to listen with my eyes and see what I see. And to my shock and surprise, for years, I didn't even realize that this was here, but it was right next to the side of the road, was like an equestrian thing. <laughs> and so there were people riding horses right next to me. Never had I noticed it because I was just driving, going, getting home. Mm. So, you know, it's a very powerful process that you can apply to anything. That was a beautiful explanation. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I'm just thinking about the ayahuasca and you said everyone has uh, the ability to access universal knowledge, but it's almost like the ayahuasca opened you up to another astral realm or dimension that you tapped into. You see, once you can do something once, it's almost like uh, yeah, completely different and probably not the best analogy. If you can do a handstand, it's easier to do the next time, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I think that what the ayahuasca did for me mostly is that it opened my mind to the possibility of it. Because mm-hmm. up till that point, I didn't believe that it was possible. And that if I would have run into any channels up until that day, I would have said, wow, that's quite the shyster. They're figuring out how to take advantage of people. Isn't that you know, interesting at that they're good enough at that to be able to do that? And so then when all of a sudden it was happening to me, then I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, then if this is possible, then why does it have to be only during ayahuasca? Why can't I do it at any time? So yeah, I... I don't know for sure how much of the ayahuasca changed my ability to be able to do it in the first place, or if it just opened my mind to being able to do it. Yeah. Because maybe you always knew how to do it. You were just remembering. Right. Absolutely. And it's high, I mean, if you think about it, the, the, <laughs> we've learned all these things in our past incarnations. So we already know all of this stuff. It's just being able to tap into that. So I, w- I came here very specifically to re-tap into that again. And do this soul activation or the healing work that you do, which I'd love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, for a lot of people and a lot of people are waking up and this journey that you've been on and, you know, these incredible gifts and talents and healings that you do, it's also trusting yourself because a lot of people might get messages and might have incredible gifts to share and heal others, but they don't trust that they don't trust that um, they have the capability or Mm -hmm. they might think they're going crazy. (laughs) Right. Well, and the reason that they don't trust it generally is because they've had some sort of childhood trauma that has damaged the way that they perceive themselves. So we are all born as perfect beings of light and we come into this world excited to experience it. We see it as a paradise and we are, can't wait to share our unconditional love for all and to be unconditionally loved. We come in with that excitement and it doesn't really take very long before the reality of this incarnation, I mean, of this third dimensional reality kind of sits, sets in. Mm-hmm. And so we, our parents do something, our teachers do something, our classmates do something, something happens to us that begins to erode our, that, that, that access that we have to that perfect being of light. 
and we kind of split into two beings. We split into a survival being away from our spirit selves. And then once we do that, now we are very susceptible to others' opinions and all of the negative emotional vibrational experiences that you can have. And those build up and build up and, and divert us from, like I said, access to that perfect being of light that's in all of us. It's so true. And just as you were saying that really beautifully again, it's, uh, we, we basically give our power away. So yeah. it's, yes, again, it goes back to not trusting. So just giving your power away to, you know, anything or others or the media or not, not uh, going within yourself and trusting yourself. And I think that's right. really, you know, a big learning lesson and curve that many of us are making now. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things is it's interesting because we, we also kind of, what do I want to say? Like we, we try to encourage people to, to trust and to, and to not give their power away. Right. And what's interesting about that is sometimes it's kind of outside of their control at first. And this is what I really ran into a lot. So what you, we usually experience in our lives are circumstances that present themselves to us so that we can learn what our true gifts are, why we're here. And th so throughout my first 40 years, when I was a science-based believer, uh, people would come to me all the time with emotional issues. So I would always have somebody with depression or somebody with childhood traumas coming to me and really being you know, invited in and wanting to really have me help them. And, and I really wanted to, and I would do my best, but I was always working on the left brain because I was using language and I was just trying to help them verbally. And the left brain is a wonderful aspect of our, of our uh, cognition. However, it's also very limited because it, yes, it uses language to communicate with us. And so the, the individual would say, wow, you're making such amazing points. I feel so much better. They would walk away and an hour later, they'd be right back to where they were before because the right brain is the one that's saying, you know, this is the emotional uh, uh, foundation. And this is saying, no, I don't believe what he just said. I believe that we're, we're not good enough. I believe that I don't love myself unconditionally and so on and so forth. So no matter how much we say to someone that they're giving their power away and that they need to stop, if they can't figure out a way to access that right brain, then we can talk to them until we're blue in the face and no change is going to occur. And so when I learned my, my modality and when I experimented and understood more and more about what I can do on an energetic level, I realized that now for the first time ever, I can also affect the right brain. And so I can say wisdom and, they'll, and the left brain will get excited and then I can do activations, which will make the right brain agree. And now we've got something that we, we've really made some progress and some, that person can go forward into the world and go, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm done giving my power away. I love myself unconditionally, et cetera, et cetera. This is amazing. So maybe you can't even explain it, but what, you know, how, how does your modality work and how do you do it? <laughs> right, okay. All right, so uh, 
Now, it's, it's one of those things too that people are very interested in knowing the extra dimensional group that you work with. In my case, mm -hmm. I'm working primarily with the Hathors who were incarnated here during Egypt's golden age. And they're a collective very similar to the Pleiadians or the Arcturians that everybody's heard of. The Hathors are not as well known. I haven't um, heard of them. Okay, Tom Kenyon is probably the most famous Hathor um, channel. I believe he's just either just retired or about to retire. And, and they're very much, uh, they use a lot of vocal tones. So he, you know, sings to his audience pretty much the entire time that he's doing activations for them. I do a little bit of that, um, but I do some other things as well. So anyway, well, like I was saying, I think there's a lot of people that really believe that the, that knowing the, the, the identity of the collective. So, you know, again, the, in this case, the Hathors is really important. And every time, and I work with more than them. I've been an Andromedan. I've been an Arcturian. Uh, I've worked with the ancients uh, and the ancients are an ancient collective of humans who were here that from our, from our past civilizations, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of uh, witch doctors and healers and such in that, in that group. So, so when I'm working with these different groups, anytime I ask them who it is that I'm working with, invariably they say, it's not important. What's important is yes. the healing, yeah. right? So, so you know, I, I always try to discourage people from getting too attached to the, the collective or the group or, the, or, or the ascended master, right, that they're working with. It's more important what it is that they're doing. So all of that said, um, what I'm, I do a handful of different things. So one of them is the loving yourself unconditionally, for instance. So if, if you were to say out loud to me right now, I love myself unconditionally, I am able to uh, find out whether your right brain believes the statement or not. And then if it doesn't, then I can do just a very simple activation that will balance the right and the left hemispheres of the brain. This is similar to a, a modality called Psych-K, uh, but, but that, is, um, that is one that you can learn. Um, and I have, I have participated in learning how that works and then just kind of ended up adopting it into what I can do with the Hathors at an energetic level. So that's one aspect of what I can do. The other this thing- This is so that, interesting. <laughs> so am I going to be tested in a minute about this? Oh, yeah, we should totally do that. Yeah. But if, if I was to do it, I'm just interested in the, um, the methodology. And I know, so how do you, are you given messages if, if, I, if I don't love myself unconditionally right. on our subconscious the voice, level? The voice essentially tells voice. me okay. whether it's true or not. Um, okay. And so- then, then it's all about the, the balancing. And the balancing comes from a, an intention. So I simply say it right before I do my activation what I want to happen, and it happens. So it's very simplistic. And that, and that allows me to do all kinds of different things because the activation that I do sounds the same to anyone listening, but it's my intention leading into it that, that changes it. So the other thing I could do is I could check to see if someone has a negative entity attachment. And if they do, then I can go ahead and remove that. And I do that again with the same um, uh, activation. And then I generally activate, say, the halo chakra or the soul star chakra, which is the one right above the crown, which acts as a protection so that that entity doesn't return. So that's just another thing <laughs> that, I, that I've been doing a lot of. Um, 
And then the major one is, the, is something called the soul essence activation. This is kind of the foundation. This is the first modality that I discovered uh, in this incarnation. And it is about bringing forward the best versions of your past incarnations into your current one as it relates to your life purpose. So that one I do using the energy centers of the body. And in most cases, it's the, it's the chakras. Though I can also do the meridians, and that turns out to be a, a bit more of a physical um, experience as opposed to the chakras, which is more of a mental, emotional, energetic experience. This is just amazing. And so all, all these modalities, they were guided or told by the voice? Yes. Um, yes. You still, is it still, do you still call him or her or it the voice or is it? <laughs> Not usually. No, I, I don't even really reference it anymore. Okay. <laughs> I just kind of work with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it is funny. Cause like I said, I've, I've tried to ask who it is and it, it always says that's ah, not important. So no, I, I, I don't need to label it. It's just part of my modality, part of my experience. This is really interesting. Well, I'd love to do an I love you one. I'm fascinated now. We'll do it towards the end of the show and, and people can sure. sort of see how you work. Absolutely. And <laughs> I, another one that I would love to do too, and it'll work with your, with your audience, um, would be a burden release activation. So in that case, what we're doing is we're tuning in to where you're carrying your emotional burden in your physiology. Um, because if you think about it, all emotions are essentially all emotions are a frequency that we tune into depending on the external stimuli. However, how the emotion experience is felt by you is it's felt physiologically. So if you are nervous about something, then you feel a fluttering in your chest, you, your hands shake, maybe your mind's a little bit cloudy. This is the instruction that you're tuning into based on that emotional frequency. And so if that emotional frequency for nervousness is particularly extreme, then you can be almost, um, you know, incapacitated, like, oh, I've got to give a talk in front of an audience. Oh my gosh. You know, and you go into <laughs> like convulsions, right? Like it, people say it's the, <laughs> it's their number one fear uh, over Public death. Speaking. Right? <laughs> yeah. Tell me, so, I used to feel like that. Right. Yeah, I did too. And so it's, it's really amazing because that activation, uh, then in that case, I can do a nervousness relief activation. And what it does is it retunes your body into it, this, it's still a nervousness um, frequency. However, it isn't nearly as severe. So it may be instead of all those symptoms that I just described, it just gives you a little bit of energy and that's it. So it's um, all, almost I, like dissipating. You, you're able to um, dissipate it in some, some way. Yeah, so it's, you're, you're spinning energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I would definitely say, though, it is tuning into just a different frequency. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more likely you'll tune into that frequency. So let's say when you were a child, you had this horrible traumatic experience. And now whenever you have your body says, uh oh, we need to be afraid your body goes, okay, which frequency should we tune into? Oh, there was that one when we were a child, that traumatic one, that's the one we need to go to because that's the one we're used to going to. And so mm -hmm. that's why people have panic attacks essentially for almost no reason at all because they're like, wait, you know, wait, this is hardly anything. Why am I experiencing this extreme emotional experience? It's because your body says, this is the one that we should tune into. But in fact, if we can give them the, tune, the, the retuning 
a few times, multiple times, then the body goes, oh, okay, this is the one I'm supposed to tune into, the one that's not so severe, the one that's not so crazy. And then you'll find that you'll be able to handle the situation much easier. That makes sense uh, quite a lot because, you know, we're, we're always told that our DNA or our cells hold memories, whether it's past lives or this life, and we are creatures of habit. So it's almost like holding on to um, the quickest thing we can find. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I know you also, uh, in your work, you talk a lot about emotions. Mm-hmm. The yes. power of emotions and our thought, thoughts, words and beliefs are, you know, are such an incredible. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. And, and they're the reason we're here. So if you really? think about okay. it from, from the perspective of a spirit being, let's just pick your higher self. Mm-hmm. Your higher self is eternal, right? It does not think that it can die because it can't. So if you don't think that you can die, then how could you possibly experience fear? Because fear is a terrestrial emotion designed to keep us alive. And almost all of the emotions that we get to experience here are terrestrial emotions. These are happiness, sadness, worry, doubt, anger, fear, etc. These are all based on survival. When you and say so, terrestrial, sorry, when you say terrestrial, is that extraterrestrial as in, no? No, terrestrial okay. as in earth. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So they are three-dimensional emotional experiences specific to this planet. Now, there could be a completely different set of emotions on a different three-dimensional planet, but we know this one really well, so we can easily talk about it, and it's what we experience. So if you are your higher self and you cannot experience any of the emotional experiences that we do here on Earth because we can die, then What's the, what are the emotional experiences that you can have as your higher self? I believe there's really only one, and that is unconditional love, because that is what the world is made of. That is what source is. That's what everything is. We can experience that all the time. We can't experience fear. We can't experience all the different experience. We can't have jealousy. We can't have romantic love. These are all very specific to this planet. So, why wouldn't we come here to experience those things? If we can experience you know, unconditional love all the time, that sounds pretty great, right? It sounds like a, yeah. a, yeah, like a heaven. But why wouldn't you want to experience other things? Why do people play video games so they can experience other things? Why do the people watch movies so they can experience someone else's life? So why wouldn't you decide to play the video game called Earth and come here and have these experiences? Because from your higher self's perspective, all of them are interesting. All of them are completely different than what it can normally experience. So to come here to have this experience is paramount. So just like, can our higher self breathe? There's no reason for our higher self to breathe. The only reason to breathe is if you're incarnated here. So all these emotions that uh, we experience, whether, whether, I mean, I don't want to say good or bad because that's potentially the wrong word, whether it's love, hate, fear, all, well, not love, hate, fear, all, the, all these emotions, they um, assist us in our soul's evolution and growth. That is what I understand. Is that? Yes, I, I most certainly believe that too. Yes. And, 
And, and interesting that you said positive and negative, because if you look at the emotional frequency chart, there's a neutral spot, right? And then all the negative emotions go down the, the scale from there and all the positive emotions go up from there. And raising but, or decreasing your vibration, just for those that weren't sure of the... Right. Thank you. And so... Um, that's essentially a negative or a positive signature. Again, when we're tuning into that emotion, we're pulling the information as to what kind of physiological response that we should have. So if we're pulling in a negative emotion, uh, frustration, then we pull in what it feels like to be frustrated. Maybe our shoulders are tense and we, and, and we have this um, impatience you know, running through us, whatever, however you would describe it, everybody's different. Um, so the, the purpose of, of being able to de designate the difference between those things is again, survival. If it felt good to be afraid, then we probably wouldn't have these biological beings available to us to incarnate into because they would have all died out because they would have said, yay, fear feels good. Ah! And then they would die. They would have died out early. So it has to feel bad so that we avoid it. Like, oh, I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel a positive way. So I'm going to move this direction where it's safe and I'm going to go away from that way where it's dangerous. It's, you know, so it's, it's kind of ideal, but it's very specific to our perspective. If you look at it again from a higher self perspective, there is no positive or negative. Yeah. They're all just experiences and they're all glorious in their own crazy ways. So let's do it. Let's have them. <laughs> well, we are only human, but having said that, we have the ability to, I believe, to choose our experience and to create our emotions. So I can choose how I react to a certain situation with the, you know, obviously there's some sort of survival and fear instincts in certain situations, but I can choose to be happy in any situation or choose joy in any situation. Yes, that is, that is exactly what uh, my online workshop is all about. It's called defaulting to happy. The oh, idea. I love is, that name. <laughs> thank you. The idea is to find a way to continue to move yourself up the vibrational emotional frequency chart. Because for many people, what you said right there, right, is we choose what emotions we, we wish to experience. It's not that easy for them. It's a very difficult process. And so that that's what we have to help them with. That's what we have to teach. And, and we can do that through, again, all the different methods. We can do it with the left brain. We can do it with the right brain. We can do it with the heart. And we can do it with energy. And, and that is the ultimate goal. Because if we can be in a higher vibrational emotional experience, the highest vibrational emotional experience on the chart is called enlightenment. And enlightenment is essentially unconditional love for all or seeing yourself in all. That sounds so much easier, doesn't it? Enlightenment. I want to try to get to enlightenment. Does that mean I have to go to a cave in Tibet and become a monk and sit there until, and meditate until I petrify because I've been there for 747 days? No. You know, all you've got to do is figure out a way to unconditionally love all. And this is the journey. This is the process. You'll probably never completely get there. But you, if you can get there most of the time, again, if you can default to that, then you are going to experience an amazing life. And I also want to stress really hard that 
if you dip into and visit fear and visit frustration and visit these negative emotional experiences, it's not the end of the world. That's part of the process. It's okay to do that. As long as you don't end up defaulting to frustration or defaulting to fear, then yeah, you've got to visit those things. It's part of our experience here. And we can't blame ourselves for doing that. If we do, then we're essentially saying that I'm always in a fear situation and I don't like it. Okay, so now you're in a lower vibrational emotional frequency fear and you're frustrated, which is a lower vibrational emotional frequency about being in fear. So now you've got a double negative going on. So if you can say, oh, I'm in fear, I accept that I'm in this fear ex experience right now. I know that it'll be over eventually because it's temporary. I'm sure it'll be fine. Then now you're approaching your negative vibrational frequency with a more positive one. Acceptance is above the, the neutral line. And you could continue to go up the line. You could eventually say, I am grateful for my fear experience because of what it's bringing to me and to me as my higher self. I, and then if I can grateful, be grateful for it, then I can unconditionally love my fear experience because, again, it's the reason that I'm here. So how wonderful this is. Really well expressed. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my own personal journey. And yes, it is hard to have that. I forgot the name of your course, which is fabulous. <laughs> the happy mindset. It is hard, but I have to tell you from my personal experience, the more you practice it, the easier it gets. Yes. Absolutely. The more you live in gratitude, the more you live in joy, the more you live in happiness. It really um, happens and, you know, comes into your reality more often. And I find with myself, those negative experiences like fear or hate or anger very, very rarely occur. And if they do, they dissipate as quickly as they came because I'm not living in that vibration anymore. Boom. Yep. You're doing great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I passed the test. My yeah. other thing, I just wanted to explain as well, you know, I, I feel it's almost like a, a, a cycle. So when we're in those high vibration states, if we're happy, for example, um, and I am of the belief that we do create our reality, mm. I know my next moment of reality is going to be happy. So it's almost like a chain reaction. So that's one of the reasons we try and live in a higher vibrational state or in a happier state mm -hmm. to build momentum for our next piece of reality. If, if I'm in a fear or a negative state, I think, mm, I don't want my next moment of reality to continue like this. So I change it very quickly. Right. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's again, you said it right, right? So did you. you. <laughs> that, yeah, thank you. But that it is a journey. It is a process. And, and, and enjoying that journey is critical. And saying, again, this is why I'm here. I'm here to transcend these negative emotional experiences, these childhood traumas. And I'm excited about getting to do that. I'm excited about seeing my progress. I want to every single week be able to look back at my previous self from one week ago and say, wow, I've really changed a lot in one week. I can't imagine and I can't wait to see what I change into next week and the next and the next year and so on. I love that it's almost like milestones and, you know, being grateful for the life and all that you can accomplish. Yes. And, and that also goes back to loving yourself as well. 
So appreciating what you have achieved. Right, exactly. I always love to ask my guests as well. (laughs) If someone is, since this is a show about passion and passion is your emotional guidance system, if someone, these are probably two questions, if someone's looking to find their passion or follow their passion, potentially that are too fearful to, what is your advice for them? All right. I love this one. And I talk about this one in my course as well. So ultimately your passion or your excitement is a guidance system to help you realize uh, what you're supposed to be doing in this life. And if you follow your passion, you will experience synchronicities, which will guide you down your path. So if you are excited about some interesting thing in your future that you want to achieve, um, let's say it's start a business just for examples. So then you go, okay, so I really want to start this business. This is my passion. This is my excitement. However, a lot of people just immediately go, but I don't know anything about starting a business. I don't have any money to start the business. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Mm -hmm. And instead, one of the first exercises to do is to imagine that you have everything that you possibly need and begin to create your list of what you need to do in order to start your business. Maybe the very first item on your list is take a business class. That's okay. Whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, do that first thing on your list. The first thing on your list is something achievable. And Martin Luther King says, you don't have to see the whole staircase. All you have to do is take the first step. When you take the first step, you tell to the universe, universe, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm headed. Help me. And the universe begins to uh, move itself in such a way to create a new path for you. But if you say, well, I, it'll never work, the universe is like, eh, we're not doing anything. I guess we're not going to help out here. Or if you say, oh, I kind of like doing this. The universe is like, oh, okay, we're doing, oh, nope, I want to do this. Uh, uh. You know, if you can't decide, then, you know, you're not going to get anywhere either. So find that passionate thing, that thing that you would love to be able to do, the opposite of your ADD. If you have ADD, because you don't want to have to do something that you, you know, and you keep procrastinating, you keep procrastinating. Mm-hmm. That's because that's not your highest excitement. You don't have a disease. You just are going down the wrong path. So turn to the thing that you are excited about and magically watch as your ADD disappears. That would also go back to what you said earlier on in the show about just getting really quiet and asking the question and just waiting right. for the answer and right. just being okay with the nothingness. yes Yes, absolutely and so when you if sometimes you'll be going down your path and you're excited about where you're going and then something new will come along on the other side and you'll go wait a minute what about that thing over there i'm kind of excited about that maybe even more excited about that other path that i was on what should i do you go down the new path you don't have any expectations that you have to get to the to the business starting necessarily If you've got a new excitement, then go ahead and take that step because what's likely happening is you're being guided to be introduced to someone that's going to help you with your original goal, or it turns out that this new thing is actually your goal and you needed to do the other stuff to get there to turn in that direction. So that was great because that is quite a lot of confusion for a lot of people. You know, do I have to achieve my KPI, uh, key performance index and do I have to complete the plan? And you said that really well because no, you don't have to. You have to follow what you're passionate about or your highest excitement. Right. 
So that was great. I love it. Yeah. So that's, that's what I say about passion. And it's been a huge part of my life ever since I was a kid. I always followed what my passion was and, and even had it continue, of course, as I moved into this space. I'm going to be, you know, just creating things all the time. I love to create. And so I'm always working on some new project and some new way to help people, which is much better than making video games because I don't think I was really helping anyone when I was doing that. I was helping them enjoy oh, themselves, I suppose. Maybe you were. <laughs> now I get to really help people transcend and, and have new experiences. So like one of the examples of that is I write and publish my own comic book series called Righteous, which is a, a story about a mass spiritual awakening um, written in a way that a mass market would understand it and could get excited about it too and not just be a, a overtly spiritual experience. And I've been working on this for four years and you know it, it's still my absolute passion. I love that. And I'll make sure I'll put all your links in the show notes for anyone to have a look at that. <laughs> right. Yeah, because they can download the first chapter for free off of the, the Righteous website. Fantastic. So please have a look at the show notes, everyone. <laughs> so in the essence of time, before we do this activation, is there anything you'd like to talk about to our audience? Uh, one of my favorite little tidbits is the, the idea, it kind of ties into that universal knowledge being. So inside of us, we have multiple versions of ourselves. We've all heard about the inner child. We have a child version of us. And the child is great because it wants to live in the moment. It wants to watch the ants on the sidewalk. It wants to touch the fuzzy thing. And it wants to play games and play with, it, with its friends. And a lot of times we, we get a little bit impatient with the child version of ourselves. We say we don't have enough time for that. But then on the other side, we have also inside of us the master. And the master has universal knowledge. It knows the answer to every question. It knows the direction that you should always take. It has unconditional love for all, and it has unconditional love for even the child version of you. But most of the time, we spend as a third individual, and that is the adult. This is the one that uses the 3D rules of society to make its decisions. This is the one that says, well, I should invest in the stock market. This is the one that tells the child, we don't have time for that or we can't afford that. And when you go to ask the, the voice or the master a question in that example that I gave earlier, if you aren't careful, the adult will try to answer because the adult thinks it's the master. And the, the only way to get the adult to shut up is to absolutely be silent and to actually listen for that other voice to occur, to appear. So that's kind of the way that I, I look at that and try to help people. And, the, and, the, and, and you can have unconditional love for all three of them. You still can unconditionally love the adult because it's trying to do the best that it can, right? It's trying to figure out how to navigate this three-dimensional world. So we can appreciate it for that. But uh, if we can spend most of our time as either the child or the master, then we have an opportunity to live in the moment and unconditionally love all. Beautifully said. I, I, I love that. I'm going to remember that <laughs> certainly throughout the day. Some people might also call it the ego. And again, for me personally, it's about practice. So, you know, it's yes. practicing the, the child or the master and going back to what you said as well before about the body, you know, how does it feel in your body? Cause your body is, you know, a great teacher as well. 
Absolutely. Yep. And it, it is there to, like I said, to harness those emotions and to give you that emotional experience. So, yeah. Great. That was beautiful. So I'm sure, you know, what a beautiful gift to share with the audience. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm ready for the activation if you're ready or okay. the question. Right. I'm nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I guess I can't get it wrong. Can I? <laughs> no. And if you're nervous then you're in a lower vibrational oh, yeah, motion yeah. frequency, right? And I, so. and I can't trick you. Can I? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Doesn't matter how you say it. All right. So okay. if you can say it out loud for me, I love myself unconditionally. I love myself unconditionally. Oh, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Nice work. You've done very well. Um, most people, the answer to that is no. I would say 98% of the time that I get uh, people say that to me, the answer is no. The right brain does not agree, but you've done it. Good work. Oh, gosh. I'm getting, I'm really getting there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. So yeah, so the, in the process, the unconditional love activation is different from everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's not always, always a good one to do in a group activation because it'll on, only affect certain people. Okay. So that's one where they really need to come to me and we can work on it individually. Um, but the other one that I would love to do, the burden sure. release is for everyone. And I also just wanted to state that you, you do work remotely as well. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I travel around the country in a camper van uh, going to uh, expos and conferences and festivals and giving workshops and that sort of thing. Uh, of course, not right now in the COVID-19 era, but eventually I'll be able to get back into that, I'm sure. But you can work with anyone over the world. So now we live in, yeah, good. Yep. It, what I mean is it doesn't have to be in person. Correct. Right. Great. Okay. Well, the other one for the group would be fabulous. Okay. So then I would invite you to close your eyes and get comfortable and take a nice big deep breath and relax on your exhale. Find the spots in your body that are tense and allow them to relax. Most of the time it's the shoulders, but sometimes it's the face and the jaw or the neck. Sometimes it's your legs. And, and, Every time before I do this, I like to do, I remove negative entity attachments because what I've discovered is negative entity attachments can kind of interfere with um, uh, energy work. So I'm going to do that right now. So this is a very simple process. I'm going to say the words breath in. And when I do, you'll take a nice big deep breath. You'll hold it at the top and you'll wait for me to say the word awaken and then you can exhale. We will be awakening you to a new timeline where you no longer have that negative entity attachment. Breath in. Awaken. Excellent. Okay. So with that gone, then what I would like you to do is, again, take another nice big deep breath and feel yourself relax again on your exhale. I want you to see yourself standing on the beach. You can feel the warmth of the sun on your face with your arms wide in a pose of acceptance of the unlimited energy of the universe coming to you through our star. You can feel the cool sand between your toes, 
the nice breeze off the ocean, the waves crashing against the shore. And from this place, I would like for you to focus in on where in your body you feel any discomfort. You might have multiple places, but just choose one for now. And maybe it's a tightness in your chest, a weight on your shoulders, a pain in your back or your neck. Whatever it is, choose it now and try to zoom in on it. Feel what it feels like. Imagine you were describing it to someone else and you had to explain to them what it was that it felt like. Think about what your words you would choose. And I would like for you to also, if this burden is from a past emotional experience, if possible, and, and it won't cause a PTSD trigger, I would like for you to consider the experience itself, what caused it in the first place. Because I would like for you to bring it forward even more. So if, if this was a negative experience, a, a childhood abuse or, or anything, or even an adult abuse, anything like that, if you can kind of take yourself back to the moment that that first appeared, you're in a safe place. And what we're gonna do is try to intensify that feeling a little bit so, so that we can get at the root So go ahead and focus on that for a moment and see if you can intensify the experience. Maybe the right approach to do that is to just hearken back to when this feeling is worse than it is right now. Remember what that felt like. And now what I want you to do is imagine that I've injected you with a colored dye. And this dye, you choose the color is attracted to this discomfort area of your body and you see it moving over and covering or infiltrating this discomfort experience. And so now not only can you feel what it feels like, but you can see what it looks like. And you can think about the shape. Is it a blob? Is it a cloud? Is it sharp? Is it very dense? It's the shape of a, a body part. Whatever it is, picture it and feel it. And continue to picture it and feel it all the way through the activation. Breath in. Awaken. Excellent. So now what I want you to do is try to bring that feeling back again. Focus on it. Has it changed? Is it better? Is it gone? For some, it goes away instantly. For others, it takes a little bit of time, maybe a few minutes, maybe even a couple of hours. But check back in and see how it feels. And if you feel that it's gone, Try to reflect back on the situation again that brought it about in the first place and see if you can bring it back. Most likely you won't be able to. And so when you're ready, 
to go through your life a little less burdened and a little bit happier. So what I did there is I removed the negative entity attachments. And one of the things that I often do or that I can do uh, and that I recommend people do after the negative entity attachment is removed is activate the halo chakra or the soul star chakra. And, and that uh, I've got a, an MP3 that people can download off my website where they can go ahead and, and do that. So um, that'll be, I can give you that link also that you can have below. That was great. I'm a bit spaced out after that. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful way to end the show. Thank you. So um, Zane Daniel, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest and thank you for sharing your gifts with our audience. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And we can't, I can't wait to follow your continued success and journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.